Hello and welcome to the Motormouth Podcast with Harry Benjamin and Tim Sylvie. This is the place where we meet some of the biggest names in and around motorsport, chat about their lives and everything in between. We've partnered with the Brain Tumor Charity, a cause that means a great deal to me personally. Thanks to our partnership, we've been able to create a short series of special podcasts uncovering those within the motorsport community who've been affected by these devastating diagnoses. You can hear my story as well as the Williams Formula One team's planning director, Richard Jones, now with more to come. Also, bookings are now open for the Motormouth Charity Karting event with places for the day on July 6th, now on general sale. Enter your team of four to an endurance race and compete with and against a host of motorsport celebs or pro drivers who will be drawn at random to be on your team. Gates open at 12.30 and close at 6pm. For all the information and to see who you could be up against, head to motormouthkartrace.com. We'll see you there and together we can help every single person affected by a brain tumour. Without you and our sponsors, we wouldn't be able to carry on doing what we do, which is bringing you the biggest names in motorsport and delving into their lives and opinions. This season, we couldn't be happier to be teaming up with Devante Tyres. What drives you? The pursuit of excellence never ends. You can now enjoy the thrill of the chase with Pro Tour Sport from Devante Tyres. Featuring the latest innovations in tyre technology, including intelligent water management and precision-engineered interlocking tread blocks, Pro Tour Sport has been designed from the ground up to enhance every aspect of your driving experience. Independently tested at Europe's toughest proving grounds by the most respected names in tyre research, Pro Tour Sport is at one with the driver. Ask your Devante dealer about Pro Tour Sport today. Discover Pro Tour Sports at devante-tires.com slash Pro Tour Sport. Hello, Tim Sylvie here. Take two. Today we're joined by a former guest who appeared on the podcast way back in episode two when Harry and I were mere boys and we packed our bags and headed north to Manchester to some very lovely studios to chat with our hip-shaking racing northern friend. This time around, he's not alone, and I'll come on to that soon. However, one of our guests, Kelvin Fletcher, hails from Oldham, Greater Manchester. And did you know, Harry Benjamin, that Manchester is the first place where the ice cream cone was invented, and some would say saved the entire industry? It came at a time, according to the Manchester Evening News, when there were health concerns over the use of licking glasses in eating the frozen treat and poor cleaning and hygiene, yet back in ye olde days, passing disease from one person to the next, so authorities found and to close the industry altogether. Manchester-based Antonio Valvona's ice cream parlour then created the ice cream cone and we all lived happily ever after. What do you make of that, Harry Benjamin? Well, the first time I heard it, I thought it was quite interesting. Uh, <laughs> however, ladies and gentlemen, the second time where we had to re-record because Tim didn't uh, press the big red button, um, it's it's actually you know what it is still it is still interesting. Manchester, yeah. a hidden gem, I think, amongst <laughs> uh, amongst the cities. I remember working there actually at the time when we recorded last with uh, yeah. with oh, yes, uh, our guest. Right, um, I can't believe that we actually. The idea of traveling to do a podcast seems so far away from what we do now, just constantly doing them on Zoom. It's great. It's got its benefits, but I do miss that sitting in the same room as yeah, someone. Yeah, as do I. And I've, I've frankly had enough of all this now. Anyway, enough of our rambling. Shall we introduce today's guests? Yes, two of them, I think so. Two of them indeed. So Kelvin Fletcher is one of the pair on today's show. The TV star, former Emmerdale legend, winner of Strictly Come Dancing, multiple race winner and British GT4 Pro-Am class champion, 
alongside another friend of the show, Martin Plowy Plowman. But today alongside him, albeit virtually, is a name you're going to become more and more familiar with. Mo Ritson is a young British slash Indian racing driver from Leeds with aspirations to win the 24 Hours of Le Mans. I also hear he's a dab hand at squash, so I'm certainly up for the challenge. Kelvin, Mo, welcome at the second time of asking to the Motormouth podcast. How are you doing? Uh, great, great, thanks. Thanks, Tim. Uh, great to great to be here, uh, and a guest a guest again. You know, it's a privilege. It was a huge honour. I must admit, back in uh, I think mid twenty nineteen when I was first on up in Manchester, as you say, which I didn't know about the cone, the um, ice cream cone. That's an amazing. Yeah, you're fact. welcome. I reuse that again on the next um, the next time I'm telling jokes and things about not about Manchester. Anyway, um, no, it was great to be to be part of that. I think to this day, I've done many podcasts, and I honestly got to say that's been probably my favourite one. Um, you know, yes. I think uh, the, the podcast was in its infancy, and um, I think from that from that chat that we had, it was clear to see you had grand ambitions, and it's great to sit back now and see you gone from strength to strength. So, uh, well done, uh, richly deserved. And uh, yeah, as I say, you know, it's it's a, it's a great honour to to be asked back again. So thanks for uh, thanks for having me. Oh well, thank you very much, Kelvin, for uh, for reeling that off for a second time. Um, <laughs> the, sh- the shine doesn't wear off, so we like that. Uh, you come back for more, which is brilliant, and you bought a friend as well in Mo Ritson, a young racing driver. And we'll come on to you, Mo, in a second. But Kelvin, let's just start with you first, because as you say, this is uh, your second time coming on to the Motormouth podcast. And actually, the last time we spoke, uh, we remember uh, predicting that you might perhaps be appearing on a dancing show but one that was going to be on ice um a few months later it ended up not being on ice but you ended up subbing in last minute uh into strictly come dancing and you became uh well from super the super sub really because you won the bloody thing <laughs> so you've been a bit busy since we last spoke how's it all going tell us all the strictly drama how's it feel to be a winner and be part of history yeah i mean it's it's funny you know when you kind of hear it back uh, it, it, as you summarise it, so so eloquent with it uh, then, but it's, it was bizarre. It's as bizarre as it sounds, you know, coming in as a, as a replacement. You know, we think back to 2019, mid 20. I think I had a moustache when I was uh, yes, in your podcast, right. and the reason why I'd either just finished or I just started uh, my first feature film, a World War II uh, film set in World War II. And that was an independent film for a Canadian company. So that was very excited about that. Obviously, my day job as an actor is kind of first and foremost my biggest passion and, uh, you know, my my main profession, if you like. And racing, as we discussed back back then, was, was something that was a, a hobby that kind of has somewhat become like another career now. Um, and I was very excited about that. And when we talked about a, a dancing show and uh, dancing on ice, I think I'd had some chats with the guys at ITV and I don't know whether I'm announcing them, but I was verbally, I was agreed to go and do that show. Um, and then I'd seen uh, Strictly Come Dancing guys three years prior to that, uh, for, on three occasions, for every year that we'd met for somewhat an audition. And for whatever reason, my opportunity never kind of was realised. You know, they felt that the, there was a better casting mix elsewhere. Uh, I don't make those decisions. And very much as a jobbing actor, you're used to that, you know. You don't at nine out of ten jobs you don't get. So I'm very much used to the no, the sense of reje- you know uh, rejection. I always call it redirection, not rejection. Mm-hmm. And so you become you know impervious to that sort of um, disappointment and uh, and resilient. And you know I think that's a, a great building block for any kind of uh, budding actor to have because that's something you've got to learn quite quickly from a young age and something that I did. And I've had a lot of rejection. So yeah, and 
they got back in touch and said, listen, somebody's been, uh, somebody's injured. There's a spot for you here if you want it. Do you want to take it? And, uh, you know, without doubt, I think for that type of show, Strictly Come Dancing is, is, is the pinnacle. I think what it represents, it's a fantastic show visually. I think what it stands for, it's, it's, it's wholeheartedness. It's a family show. It's uh, something you can watch on your own with your friend, with, with, with your nan. It's, I just think it's, it's a real beautiful show and something that I've watched for many years and always thought I'd, I'd like the challenge to challenge the dance, to wear sequins, to learn a, a new dance. Uh, so I got a chance to go and do it. And, um, you know, little did I know, um, I guess destiny was uh, played its hand and I went on to win. So it was a, a, a huge um, revelation really for me. Uh, I didn't think I could dance like that. I, I was committed and, and um, confident that I could apply myself and do my absolute best. But the reception I got, the, the way the public kind of took me on and uh, took me in their arms was just the most humbling feeling. And um, yeah, it's been, you know, a real proud moment and there's a lot of good stuff that's come on the back of it. So mm. it feels like a long time ago now, but yeah, Shirley Come Dancing Champion, it, crazy. It was it was amazing to watch and, and it gave it, it, for Harry and I, it was, I guess it had that little bit of extra satisfaction knowing that we'd, we'd spent some time with you previously. So it gives you that extra vest, sort of vested interest in it. But you, you were a, a well-known face already before Strictly, but doing that show... Did it? Did you feel the sense of growth in terms of your popularity or being recognised and your fame? Did Did you feel that sort of uplift, or did Did anything change? There is an instant uplift, you know, uh, and I think not naively. Um, yes, I've been on TV since I was six or seven years old. You know, I've been in the public, um, been in people's living rooms since I was a kid. I've gone through my adolescence, you know, with, with people watching. It, it's it's something I've always known. It's something I've always taken in my stride. And, uh, you know, I feel still pretty grounded. You know, I don't think myself as anything extra special. It's a job. I'm an actor and I've got just as much credit or validation as, as the guy who's a plumber. And, you know, what I do is I'm lucky to do what I, what I do, but at the same time, I work extremely hard. And I think, you know, um, the harder you work, the luckier you get. Um, so with, there was a bit of a crisis meeting with, uh, with me being thrown into the show. I think that was a slight advantage as well. I knew of the show, but because I'd not auditioned and not kind of had the months of build up and the big big announcement, when I was when it was announced that I was going to be in, the kind of the top producer just said, "Listen, Kelvin, we know you've been on TV for many years, but Emmerdale is somewhat under the radar. You've never really been a, a showbiz in all the papers or anything like that. Things will explode inevitably with this show. There is a lot of press that surrounds it. I personally don't read the press. I don't really have any." it's not really of interest to me. And um, so I was unaware of, of, of the, the amount you're under the kind of the scope really. Um, and it's pretty, you know, within a few days, it's paparazzi following you everywhere. And I'd never really had that. So it was, it was an explosion of, of spotlight and your profile just vamps up. But I, again, because I don't really, I'm not aware of that. I don't have daily mail apps like mm. my missus has and most people and watching it, Googling myself. It wasn't really of interest to me. And I just kept things very, very simple I worked extremely hard in the rehearsal rooms and, um, you know, I checked my Twitter feed every now and again. And um, as, amongst all the nice stuff, you get quite a bit of the bad stuff as well. And, and that's just the way it goes, you know. And uh, and I think that was a blessing. I came in a little bit naive and didn't really take care of it, take, take much notice of anything else. And uh, But yeah, the profile did jump up um, and you kind of take the rough with the smooth, really. So Yeah, yeah, amazing. 
Um, one of the reasons that you are, are not alone today, and I'm going to jump about a little bit here, but um, you've had some exciting developments on the racetrack since we last saw you. Um, not only has there been an announcement um, today, the day that we record about your new race seat in British GT, which we'll come on to, um, but you now are the proud owner of your own racing team, which is the reason we have one of your drivers here with us today in uh, in Moritzen. So first, Kelvin, to you, how on earth did you go from um, TV to being a racing driver to suddenly becoming the owner of your own team? And then how did you come across Mo? It's one, <laughs> hell, of, one hell of a juggling act. It is. Yeah, it's, uh, and I actually can't juggle. Um, <laughs> it's one thing I've always wanted to learn. Um, I'm surprised you can't do that because you, you, you've got sort of good coordination, good movement. Have, have you tried recently? Like three, I, I, three balls? I, I, I mean, I think I have travelled with those juggling sand-type bags. Yeah, yeah. There's yeah. an actor once on set on the, on the show I was on, and um, I said, oh, let's have a go. And I was I was hopeless. <laughs> um, I was terrible. So You, you need um, to talk to uh, Rachel Brooks from Sky Sports F1. She, she was on the show and uh, decided that she'd show us her juggling. Uh, but she's quite good at it with the, sand, right, the, sort okay. of the, weight, the weighted balls. Very good. So tap her up if you want some juggling. <laughs> I certainly will. Uh, yeah, I guess for, for us being a, being a team owner... Uh, you know, I've been a, I'm a, I've been a customer. I've been a, you know, racing cars since 2012. So I still feel very, not very new to it, but um, I still feel I've got many years ahead of, of, of within my racing career. But um, after meeting with Martin Plowman, my teammate, friend, mentor, you know, kind of rock in many ways, is 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 an amazing human, a formidable driver, somebody I've taken a lot of advice from, and continues to this day, you know, to make make me a better driver. Uh, we all, we we kind of always had a an ambition together to one day continue this, whether it be as drivers or team owners, but in some capacity, we wanted to kind of, we love motorsport. We love everything it brings. And it's not just motorsport. It's not just about driving. You know, there's a whole other aspect of motorsport with logistics, with trucks, with, with personnel, with marketing, with, with corporate sponsors and, and, and hospitality. There's all these facets that we've been able to explore uh, to help us in our own racing careers, that I honestly felt that there was uh, an opportunity for us. And like every new business and every new entrepreneur, you kind of feel that you can do something a little bit different, that you've got a unique selling point and things you've learned over the years that you're going to try and do a little bit differently. So it, it, we, we certainly wanted to start our own team. And if I'm honest, it probably happened a little bit sooner than, than we first envisaged. But um, an opportunity came. And um, like anything, you know, we wanted to absolutely go about it in the best way. Uh, we started with the Mazda MX-5s and we wanted to use that championship because we identified it as somewhere that was good for racing, good for to start your racing. Um, it was that club racing, that, you know, grassroots racing. Plough has never done that. He's gone in like so many drivers at, at go-karting and then when they've stepped into a car, it's either been on the back of a single-seater or with a, you know, huge amount of karting experience. So they're getting into a, a car, a GT, at quite a high level. And um, my my route into racing was totally different. I started racing classic minis and I, I was racing, you know, um, club BRSCC championship level, you know. Um, but I feel that I'm at no loss, you know. Um, and it's just a different route, a far cheaper route. You know, I probably spent yeah. in 10 years what, what probably would have spent in a year going go-karting. Uh, and, and, and when I had people approaching me, friends, customers, various people wanting to get into motorsport, I was kind of, sending them the Mazda MX-5 route because I've done it. I, you know, I've raced Bentleys and, um, 
you know, LMP3 cars or whatever it is. And I feel that the best way is to, to go in as cheap as possible and, and learn some real fundamentals about racing, learn how racing works, learn what it's like to... That's if you're coming from a background of never raced before like I did. Yeah. And, uh, and that's what I try and pass on. And most people in motorsport, uh, they'll probably tell you to skip a few levels and, and start a bit higher and spend a bit more money. But, you know, um, I'm, I'm, I'm too honest. And I don't feel that you necessarily have to do spend an awful lot of money. You know, any any motorsport spend is is quite often a big spend, but as little as possible, uh, I think, was key. So Mazda mx we felt, was a good championship. Very competitive, some formidable drivers, but there's a race in it for everybody. So if you're five seconds off the pace, you've still got people to race with. If you're absolutely fighting for the 10th there and a 10th there, then you're going to be up you know, with the quick guys at the front. So it's a great championship, uh, fairly ran, got a great sense of camaraderie where everybody's in it together, a club feel, nothing too serious. You know, you can turn up in your transit van and sleep in the van, just like I did when I was racing. All of these people there with, with, with uh, you know, hornings and, and proper race trucks. So... And we, 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 we launched last year. We had a couple of drivers. Um, we did extremely well. Um, and we kind of found our feet with personnel, with number one mechanics, engineers. And, you know, don't get me wrong, the first day, day at, um, at Mazda MX-5, we turn up in a big truck. <laughs> we look a little bit out of place in a Mazda <laughs> MX-5 paddock, you know, with no disrespect. But we've got a quarter of a million pound race truck. We've got, um, we've got engineers with, with Nick from JRM Bentley for the weekend or whoever it might be, you know, people we've met over the years from RJN. <laughs> you can imagine them like, oh, bloody hell, here comes Fletcher. Who the hell are they? <laughs> Who the hell are they? <laughs> but, you know, like anything, if you're going to do something, personally with me, if you're going to do something, you want to do it right, you know. Sure. And um, I thought, let's make our mistakes there. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to, you know, not do certain things correctly. We're, in, we're a new team. Yes, we're vastly experienced. Martin's got 20, 30 years driving experience. I've got 10 or 15 years Um you know, whether it's through driving or through, you know, as entering in the commercial sense. So I just thought, you know, we've got a lot of experience there, but we are going to make mistakes and let's make them at a very low level. And um, and very much, you know, we want to be in the GT arena. We want to be, um, we want to be one of the best GT teams there are. There are, you know, on a domestic and a European international level. And uh, our first foray into that GT world is in the GT Cup, and we identified that series as again something that was accessible for amateur drivers. It was accessible for up-and-coming pro talent, you know, like, like, like Mo we've got here. And um, we felt that it was a great opportunity for us to make a statement. Um, you know, not run before we walk in. It's still, a you know, a relatively com- a competitive championship. Um, but we feel it's going to be a springboard to many bigger bigger opportunities in the future. Mm. Well, it's a really exciting sort of uh, new part of your, of your life and career. Enter Mo Ritson. Uh, Mo, we've made you wait long enough. Uh, welcome, welcome to the show. First of all, though, let, let's off the back of what Kelvin said. Let's just talk about how you know you got your first racing bug, and then how how this meeting came about, and and what your role is with Kelvin and and his team. Yeah, so it all it all kind of jumping back a fair bit. It was all 2017 was where I kind of that's the point where I was like, you know, we're talk, you know, we're talking serious now in terms of racing. Um, it was the Genetta scholarship was my first kind of. <laughs> taste of, of racing um, I hadn't really done any karting up to then to be honest it was all rental karts and corporate karting so I never really you know we never really saw it as a potential career never mind a hobby or any you know any of that it was kind of it was just a bit fun um, and it was a Genetta scholarship it was actually my birthday present you know to have a go in a proper you know a proper race car and you know at a racetrack this was like dream come true for me and uh, it was the end of the first day, and I got the letter saying, you know, I've made it to the next day for the final. And I was like, am I seeing things? Is this, am I, I had to pinch myself, you know, because I never thought, you know, 
I thought I would never even kind of get off the start line, you know, stalling every time. But you know, here I am getting into the final. So that was the first kind of like, okay, you know, this is one, you know, one little step. There's, you know, there's a lot of big steps to go before, you know, before there's a chance to take it seriously. Um, and it was kind of from there, we, we ended up just, you know, the world of motorsport, everyone knows everyone. You, as soon as you get along to one event, you meet someone else and they know someone. And it kind of just picked up from there. We met the guys at Talkwith Motorsport and, and they kind of took me under their wing and, you know, put me through my paces in the carts and, you know, just got me out in a pro cart. And that was, a, you know, at that point, that was the fastest thing I've ever driven, uh, you know, around the karting track. And uh, and before I knew it, I was, you know, getting my karting, uh, sorry, my racing license and, and driving the Saxo. And that was a big, you know, right, okay, like, we're going racing now. So it was kind of learning about the sponsorship side of things was big for me. You know, the commercial side, it's yeah. not just racing. I hadn't seen this. So I was like, okay, you know, the racing is only 10, 20% of this whole, you know, this whole kind of experience. So, um, am I right in saying it, it all sort of happened fairly quickly, but also fairly late on for a racing driver? You weren't, you obviously weren't in carts from four years old or whatever. Yeah, I, um, I, I was 17 at the time, 16, 17. Wow. Um, you know, I think the first time I got out in a car was 15. Um, but, the, you know, by the time I kind of finally got, you know, got racing, you know, in actual events, I was about 16. Um, you know, and, and karting-wise, I'd only really... I'd done a bit of karting when I was like eight, you know, the rental stuff. But then it was... I kind of took a, a back step on it. I was like, you know, I'd love to do this. Like, this would be really cool to do. But I just never thought there was a chance. And it was when I turned about 14, 15, I was like, you know what? You know, same mindset as Kelvin. You know, if you're going to do it, you know, give it, you know, give it everything. Yeah. You know, do it it's properly. the uh, it's the Gerhard Berger school of, of racing. This isn't it? Because he, he was similar. He he was like that. Ah, don't need that karting business. Forget all that. You know, just got by on pure natural talent and drive and ambition. <laughs> but who, who's guiding you through this at this point? Do you have family members that have a history of the sport? I mean, it, one one important part, as you know, probably from a commercial perspective and you know slightly off track perspective, is, is having the, a team around you to guide you through your career. How, how are you making these transitions from one thing to the next, you know, jumping into the Saxo, doing brick car, finding yourself in Portimao and things like this? Who's guiding you through this process at this point? I really didn't have any family members who had any involvement in motorsport. So to be honest, it was it was me, my mum, my dad and my sister. There was the four of us that really, you know, kind of took it on and, you know, and pushed it. Uh, we had loads of help from the Top with Motorsport guys who... You know, because they, they understood, you know, we, we don't have a clue what's going on. You know, it's this whole big wide world that we don't understand. Um, so it was really a kind of a combination of all these people that we met. And as a family, we just just took it head on and we're like, right, we're going to give this everything we've got. So my uh, mum my and I were going to networking events, just trying to, you know, communicate with different people within the sport. Where, you know, just to kind of say, look, I'm here. I'm I'm. I've got this ambition, you know, to make something out of this, to make a career out of this. And and that's how we went through it, really. And we've, you know, my mum and I now understand the commercial side. and We know how to approach sponsors and, and everything like that. And it's it's been a big, steep learning curve, you know, as a family. it's It's been tough in some places, but, you know, it's it's all about the journey. And yeah. it's we've had an amazing time doing it. And there's, we'd like to think there's plenty more years of it to come. Yeah. Um, and, and working with Kelvin and Plowy, it's, it's another bit of that family feel. Yeah, well, so Kelvin, when did Mo come onto your radar? Just hearing Mo speak there, you know, he's, uh, I, I think, the absolute world of Mo. And, and, and I've only kind of known him now for a few months, but we came onto our radar through a mutual friend who was, um, who was looking out for Mo and looking out for some possible opportunities. 
and Mo is so eager and enthusiastic and ambitious. Um, you know, I think he's got some fantastic support around him. He's, he talks about his family there who have no real experience in motorsport. I think that's the key in many ways. I've not got any experience in motorsport. My family haven't either. And I think with that, yes, you're a little bit green. Yes, you are going to make mistakes, but you can come at it with, with fresh eyes and um, not fall into the usual traps that that is set in stone within motorsport that I've seen. There's a lot of sharks out there. There's a lot of dishonesty. There's there's um, a lot of short-sightedness, you know, and um, that naivety, that foolishness, what can be perceived as that from within the paddock will actually pay dividends. I don't think it is foolish. I don't think it is naive. And I saw a lot of myself in Mo. You know, Mo's approaching this probably 10 or 15 years before I did. You know, I was 28. I was approaching my 30s when I did my arts test. I'd never done any cards, never done anything. It's just a big passion. So I almost saw in Mo, just his soft nature, meeting his family, um, there was just something about him. He had the spark. You know, I'd not even seen him in a car. I'd, I'd heard about and I'd seen his results. But again, you know, there's, there's, there's umpteen fast kids out there, fast young people, there's, you know, and um, unfortunately, you're one of many. You've got to have something else as well. And that's my approach because being an actor, my day job has facilitated my, my racing, you know, my profile as, a, as, as there's, there's a lot of drivers out there that are quicker than me, but, you know, there's not many drivers out there with my sort of profile and my kudos factor. So I, I will naturally, I'm going to use that um, with the understanding and belief that I will be as quick as those guys, um, you know, with the help of the likes of Plowing and whatnot. So I saw a lot, of my, a lot of myself in 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 Mo, and the way his family approached things, they were just a lovely, genuine um, family, and and it was just like you know, like I met Martin. You kind of want want to build a team around these people. You want this to be the you know the the continuous. You want this to be the continuity, and and Mo kind of just fits that mode. He fits the ethos. He fits what we want to do. Um, He's ambitious, he's determined, he's talented, but, you know, at the same time, he's, uh, he's willing to learn and then he's willing to take on new information. And I think collectively we can all highlight strengths and what we all separately bring to the table and recognise that. Um, so when, when Mo came on our radar, you know, me and Martin were both delighted to kind of the potential to work with him. And um, <clears throat> we had, I think we had a test yesterday. I was, I was obviously, I'm, a, I'm away filming at the moment, but um, I know Mo was in the car yesterday. I don't want to say too much, but, you know, um, there's a lot of potential there. You know, the kid's absolutely quick. He's so inexperienced as a driver, but yet he's obviously clearly got that natural talent. You know, you add with that his, um, his personality, his character, uh, his support network, you know, what they endeavour to do, the way in which they want to go about their motorsport career with that integrity, with that, with that honesty and with that relatability, you know, I think it's key and I think it'd be a great role model. And... Um, <clears throat> We're excited, the prospect of working together for, you know, for many years. And in five, 10 years time, we see ourselves as a, as a big uh, GT team, you know, whether that's a, a direct affiliation with a factory and, you know, what would be better than to have Mo as one of our drivers as somebody that we somewhat discovered, you know, 10 years ago. So that's the way we see it. We know that more sport can change from year to year, but we, you know, we're delighted to have Mo in our, in, in our team. And, um, you know, we've got really big plans. It, it's hugely exciting. And, as you say, you've got all the right makings for something that could be very, very successful and, and hopefully will lead you on to, you know, scoring points, podiums and wins. Um, but crucially, and we will talk more about, about um, Mo's racing career and, of course, Paddock Motorsport, but you do both have to now compete in the hardest quiz in motorsport. A quick interruption to the show to remind you to check out our sponsor, Devante Tyres. Actually, I'm not going to say anything. I'll leave it to six-time Olympic cycling champion and racing driver, 
Sir Chris Hoy. Whether in my cycling or motorsport career, I'm always looking for that winning edge. The difference between ordinary and extraordinary. I'm Chris Hoy and I choose Pro Tura Sport, the new ultra high performance tyre from Devante. Did we do this um, with Kelvin last time? I can't remember. No, so I thought this was the perfect time on the subject of, you know, teamwork um, and having the right people around you because actually, Kelvin, I think you were, what, episode three or something two, way back two, when? Yeah. And, and we hadn't actually, we, 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 hadn't, we hadn't got everything together yet. So uh, the Motormouth quiz was not in place. So you've got to make it onto the leaderboard. Um, and... You, you're welcome because you've got help in the form of Mo. So hopefully that should really storm you up the leaderboard. Um, are you ready for the hardest quiz in motorsport? Yes, let's go. Are you ready, Mo? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm all ready. Right, so at the moment there are 14 points up for grabs. Uh, points vary depending on how generous I'm feeling um, because the questions are very random. Uh, but they are to do with you uh, and your uh, careers. So uh, without further ado... Question number one. How many racing drivers can you name with the first name Kelvin? Tough. Now, I mean, we've got one in the bag, I'm hoping, already. <laughs> um, Who's that? I'm not, I, I don't know. I'll give you some help here. There are only, uh, I mean, all I've been able to find, there are only three in total. Are we saying them as we as we? Yeah, as you think of them, just shout them out. Kelvin van der Linde. Yes, correct. <laughs> I knew I could count on you, Mo. Great knowledge. You. Great knowledge. That's one. I mean, you haven't said the obvious one yet, which I'm a bit worried about, but you do need to say it out loud. Kelvin Fletcher. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> <Kelvin. laughs> now, can you get the final one? Now, I don't think it's a very tricky one, but see, have a guess if you think. If you think, you is can. he is he German? No, actually. Scottish. British. British, okay. Hmm. Um, Double check nine notes. <laughs> Double check I, Wikipedia. I, 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 can't, I, I have no idea. Uh, I, was, um, I no, thought I, I was the only one. No, well, I mean, you're, you're only one of three. And actually, okay. the last one, uh, Kelvin Burt, I don't think is a, a current. Oh, you know, yet. of course. Wait, he, he, was in, he was in touring cars. He was the one that famous crash in, the, I think, the Volvo at Duxton. Oh, well, there you go. Am I, am I right? Am I right? Is, is it the same I, guy? I'll give you half a point for that because I have no idea if you're cor- correct or not. But I feel Kelvin like that's Burt. decent that enough thing? knowledge. He did race against David Coulthard way back when in, in Formula 3000 or something like that. So I don't know how old that might be. Kelvin Burt, I'm going to have to. Quickly that feels like it should be a full point, Harry. That that was a valiant yeah. effort. You know, I mean, that's, we a, just, that's got to be one of the toughest we... questions we've had. And <laughs> that is well, you know what? I thought of it the other day. I was thinking, oh, what can we do with Kelvin on the show? And I thought, you know what? Let's just how ma- how many other people are called Kelvin, and how many other people in the racing world are called Kelvin? It turns out, yeah, that... I, you know what? I can't believe that it's Kelvin Burt, and he's got he had a famous uh, crash at Thruxton that actually the car went over. I think it was in the touring cars, and yes. I think it was the Volvo. And it went over the actual um, barricade, the, the... the Yeah, you are absolutely right. I'm looking at his, uh, his Wikipedia. Well, then, full. That is a full. <laughs> a full. I'm going to give you a full, full uh, three points for that. So yes. that, what, what I thought would be an absolute disaster, has turned out very well. Yeah. Uh, good teamwork there. Right, okay. Question number two. Um, which team won the overall... GT Cup Championship in 2020. Um, overall, was that? The overall. Now, obviously, you're entering the GT Cup this year. 
But who, who were top dogs last Ginetta, year? Ginetta, wasn't it? I think it would have been. Was it, was it Orange in the Ginetta? Was it Simon Orange? <sighs> I'm looking for a team name. A team, oh, team name, sorry. Team name, um, team name. That's all I have on my notes. <laughs> <laughs> I think Team Hard. Did Team Hard really oh. run in last year? Oh. Team Hard? <clears throat> yep, absolutely. Oh. Spot on. All right, that's another three points in the bag. <laughs> it's going very well. It's going quite well, this. Mm. Um, okay, question three. Um now, sadly, he's not here today with us, but when is uh, Martin Plowman's birthday? Oh, come oh, on, Kelvin. Oh. Come on, Kelvin. <laughs> and we know he's a regular listener. So, oh. and he'll be, I'm sure in particular, he'll be listening to this one. <laughs> oh, my little, my little mate, Plowman. <laughs> little birthday. mate, Plowy. <laughs> I think, you know what? I, I think, is it, is it just been, it was, it was, I think it was in December. Oh, I don't know. I think it's just been. So, February. I think it... Oh, I've no idea. Oh, I'm sorry. Mo, any guesses? Come on. This is the first thing oh, you should learn about your hello. new quiz. To, Come on, Mo, you should know this. <laughs> can you give me Can you give me a year? Come on, give me a year. Oh, he's, he's young. He's 19... Um, 87,1987,1987,1987,1987,1987,1987,1987,1987,1987,1987,1987,1987,1987,1987,1987,1987,1987,1987,1987,1987,1987,1987,1987,1987,1987,1987,1987,1987,1987,1987,1987,1987,1987
Come on, Mo, you've got this. Come I was going to say flick. ballroom. Hey, that'll do. Loose. I'll give you half a point. <laughs> oh, do you know yeah. what? That's, I, I would have I said ballroom, Mo. But well, I think ballroom is probably the overarching genre. It's then not within that, I'm imagining dance, there are yeah. several different. <laughs> you could have had Viennese waltz, the waltz, jive, cha cha cha, pasadoble, rumba. I Bolero. think we said samba, didn't we? Bolero. The American smooth, the Argentine tango, the Charleston rock and roll, salsa, or the show dance. Mm. So um, who'd have thought we'd be talking about all of that on the Motormouth podcast? <laughs> but well done. I'll give you four and a half points for that. Um, final <laughs> bonus point for you. We're back to racing now. Never fear. In what year was the British GT Championship created? Ooh. Tough. 19. It's a solid start. <laughs> um, Your wit is astounding. I don't say early 90s, 1991. Mo, do you think along, you thinking similar? Bit, yeah, very similar. Like early 90s. You are correct. It is early nineties, oh. oh. but I'm afraid I was looking for 1993. Oh, close! You can still claw a point back if you can guess what it was originally called. It wasn't originally called the British GT Championship. Any ideas? GT Masters? No. Um, you know, I'm sure GT. I'm sure they released something recently going back, like because they had the old famous GT One cars and everything, didn't they? Yeah. No, I don't. No. Know. No, you're thinking. No, I'm afraid it was the the National Sports GT Championship was the original name yes. in uh, in 1993. Very posh, very, uh, very so exciting. Exactly. <laughs> oh, so exciting. Right. Okay. Let's do the math. So that is it's a decent haul to be fair. But did you find the leaderboard, Harry? Because this this is a problem. If not. No, I didn't find no. the leaderboard. But, got, uh, so I've lost the leaderboard. Oh. <laughs> but I, I do remember it off yeah. my heart. Of course. Um, and if you score double points, you're on the first page. So you scored 11 out of 14 points, which does put you in the top 10. But I can't tell you exactly where because I can't remember. Um, so we'll follow that up. But top 10, and considering oh, there's about... 40 people on the leaderboard and Karun Chandok is last with three and a half points. You've absolutely smashed it. Well done. Happy with that. Well done. Yet, yet another career highlight for the both of you, I know. Now, listen, <laughs> yeah. let's, let's turn our attention back to motorsport. Mo, um, new team, um, new, new team family, um, new series. What are the expectations going into it? Uh, have you got any at this stage or do you feel like, you know, you're just going to year one, see how it goes, find your feet? What, what are you thinking for your, your first time out? I think it's, it's to develop, to learn and develop as a team. That's the main goal for us. I think everyone in the team would say the exact same thing. You know, we're all, we're all in the same boat. You know, it's all a big, you know, it's a big new championship for us. You know, it's the team's first time running the McLaren. It's, you know, we're all coming into it new. And I think, you know, if we can leave this year with, you know, we've learned a lot. We got some solid results. You know, we've developed and you know, we have a better understanding of each other, we have a better understanding of the car and everything like that. You know, if we can leave with all those positives ticked off, ticked off then that's, you know, that's the main thing. Um, there's no kind of, we're not going in there like, yeah, we want to win the first round. There's none of that. It's all, you know, it's just take it as it comes and, you know, just take everything as, you know, a learning opportunity and, you know, take all the positives we can out of it and, you know, of course, enjoy it is, you know, the main thing because it's, you know, it's the start of a big journey for all of us. You Absolutely. Know, it's, it's and, and, and for those who are, are not familiar with the series, just tell us a little bit about it. When, when is it starting? What, what tracks are you going to? And uh, a little bit more context around the actual championship. 
Yeah, so it's GT Cup. So we're starting on the 10th and 11th of April at Donington Park uh, for the first round. So it's a mix. They've got GT4 cars, uh, GT3 cars. They've got some cup cars as well. It's a good, you know, a really good mix of stuff. And I'm, I'm pretty sure they've got a, a full grid this year, in fact. Um, so we'll be going to Sneston, Silverstone, Donington, Alton, all the kind of, you know, the main UK circuits. Yeah. Um, I think we've got about 14 cars in our class in the GT4 class this year. So it's going to be, it's going to be good. And there's some names that, you know, you know, people will recognize like Darren Turner, Ollie Webb, uh, yeah. Adam Carroll. So there's, you know, there's some good, you know, some good competition that we're up against yeah. um, that we can learn off and, you know, have some good targets to set and everything like that. So it's, you know, it's shaping up to be the perfect, you know, the perfect round to kind of, to build on. Those are uh, some very impressive names, actually. I didn't realise Ollie Webb was in there. I mean, LMP1 driver um, with with Bike Collis, you know, some some serious talent. Kelvin, I guess same question to you. You know, do, do you echo those thoughts? You know, what are your expectations as, as a boss for this season? Absolutely. You know, it's very exciting for us. For me, uh, as, a, as a team manager, I guess, going into this year, you know, naturally there's certain responsibilities that'll be on my shoulder, uh, shared with, with Martin, that we want, you know... Um, that's key for us, you know, delivering on and, and developing Mo as a driver, uh, developing ourselves with our personnel, with a car, our engineers, um, you know, right through from our Chucky to our number ones. Um, we want the feeling of a family environment, but at the same time, we want to win. We want to compete. You know, let's not make no bones about it. We want to be the top GT team. You know, there's no, um, there's, there's no denying that. And that's, that's going to take some time. Uh, but you know, this is a, uh, like you guys starting your podcast, you know, in your infancy, you had grand ambitions, but at the same time, you you expected to just, you kind of, le- you know, learn on the job and just figure things out as you go um, with, with a loose kind of vision of where you want to kind of go. Um, experience is key. You know, yes, we want to compete. We want we want drivers and, and, and personnel to develop, but it's absolutely around experience, you know, whether that's through sponsors or through drivers, some of our amateur drivers who are coming with, you know, within the team, for them, racing is 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 can be so hard to get on the grid. When you actually get to race one weekend, yes, we all want to be as fast as possible and compete, but we also want to have that sense of escapism, that sense of a place where you can bring your friends, bring your family, bring your sponsors, and and really kind of have have, have a great you know weekend away. Um, so so that's important to us. That's important for our for our team ethos. Really, is to create that real family environment where we can all be ourselves. We can all be free to make mistakes. And um, when we're all doing great, you know, we're all applauding one another. When we're not doing so great, you know, we're all there to to help and pick each other up because I'll make mistakes. I'm sure Mo will make mistakes. Uh, but at the same time, you know, we all pull together. And, um, you know, for us as, as a team, it's, you know, that that sense of camaraderie is, is absolutely key. And and do you think, I mean, looking ahead to the start of the season, um, this is going to be a new experience for you, Kelvin, you know, in terms of seeing your own team on the on the grid for the first time with with your own driver, um can you imagine what it's going to be like emotionally when you when you see your car line up on the grid for that first race and they pull away and you think that's that's mine I've done that you know have you have you put yourself into those shoes yet not yet no uh, I had a little bit of that moment when we kind of unveiled the livery um just recently and um huge sense of pride um you know me and Martin have got very different roles within the team you know um but but we both feel like we bring something unique to the table and I can kind of do things that maybe he doesn't do and, and vice versa you know Martin's exceptional with his detail from from personnel from his you know let's not forget Martin what he's raced and what is as a successful racing driver he's, he's pretty much done it all 
So it, it kind of it's been very instrumental in, in leveraging those relationships and that credibility that he's got as a driver, that when we've got certain engineers and certain personnel involved with the team, you know, again, we, we're shooting far beyond the realms of GT Cup, you know, with no, no disrespect to that championship. But that championship is focused wholly on on kind of the amateurs uh, with with some new blood light mode coming through. Um, but, you know, the, 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 the setup that we've got, the race trucks, the facility, everything we've got, really, we, we, we're aiming much higher than that. So it's a great place for us to be. We're very excited about that prospect. But I think when I see the car on the grid for the first time, I guess it'll be a little bit emotional, you know. Um, there's been a lot of um, blood, sweat and tears in order to make to make that happen. So we're very excited. But at the same time, we're pretty relaxed about it as well. You know, we're one of many teams. We all want the same thing. Um and, you know, we're quietly confident that we can offer that something a little bit different, you know, as, as a customer team. Um, we feel that our, um, our 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 atmosphere, our sense of, of, of being welcomed, you know, I've, I've been there myself as a driver. You know, I, I've gone to certain teams and you feel nervous. You sometimes feel, do the team believe in me? Are they just taking my money for the weekend and just providing a service? You know, how... How genuine is this? How sincere is this? And I always want a little bit more of me. You know, it's not just a commercial transaction. It's not just there facilitating your racing. It's much more than that. That's what it's been like for me in my racing career. And I want to, I want to kind of emulate that. And I want to make sure that customers who are coming to us, whether they're most standard who's an aspiring young professional driver or the, the businessmen who have, have put the long um earned cash into, into doing something that they love, you know, they're just as credible and the sport needs everybody every one of those type of drivers and I want to make sure as a as a business that we offer them you know the, the most amazing support and the amazing service and uh, it's not just about competing on the racetrack it's much more than that so that's what I want as a customer because I'm doing this as a team owner but I'm at the other weekend I'll be there as racing the Bentley with JRM as yeah. a customer so I know exactly how I've been treated in the past what I've loved what teams have done and what I've not loved what teams have done so we've kind of taken all those experiences and that's what we've tried to to create with our own team. So we're confident that what we create will be, will be special and unique. But, you know, like I said, we, we're in our infancy, we're growing. Um, but, you know, don't uh, don't underestimate us. You know, we, we've, we've set our sights very high and um, anything me and Martin do, we're going to do to our absolute utmost stability. And, um, you know, the sky is the limit. Um, and, you know, I just, I guess, watch this space. Love it. How, how on earth do you manage your life? Because you know you're you're obviously as as you said at the start your your day job is being an actor which is obviously an incredibly grueling schedule but then you know you've stepped into the team owner world and now you also you've just signed on to do GT three uh, with with um, JRM in British GT this year how on earth do you balance team owner uh, driver development being your own racing driver developing your own racing driver being an actor learning lines and also that that's not even including the family life how how. <laughs> <laughs> well, as I'm sure you know, the hardest job is being a husband and being a dad. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's keeping your wife happy and keeping your children happy <laughs> is, is the hardest job and the job that I fail at more often than, than yeah. not, you know. Um, it's, it's, I, I think I'm that way inclined. Some people are, some people aren't. I love the sense of, of business, of much to do, you know, um, spinning many plates. Um, it's tough, you know, don't get me wrong, my schedule is, is crazy at times. Um, as, as a racing driver myself, I'm very ambitious about what we want to achieve in the in the, in the Bentley this year. Um, it's the car that nobody wants to drive. It's the car that apparently AMS are fearful of and don't want to drive it. I've only ever driven the Bentley, I think I've done 30 laps in total, in the wet at Silverstone. And uh, to say it's a car that doesn't go well in the wet, I thought it was amazing. 
much easier than a GT4 car. So already, you know, whether I'm completely deluded or, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm being a little bit more forgiving with, with the old Bentley, but I think she's visually looks fantastic, sounds amazing. Commercially, it works for me and my partners for, for, the, for the Bentley brand. Um, so I'm very excited what, what me and Mark are going to do this year in, the, in, the, in, the, in British GT. Um, as a team owner, you know, I've kind of spoke about that, how excited I am. But as an actor as well, I'm, I'm over in Budapest at the minute filming a new drama, um, which is, is very exciting. I'm here for four weeks, but as soon as I land back in England, I think the next day I'm, uh, I'm at Donington for the first round of GT Cup. So I'm very, very busy and I'm spinning a lot of plates. But, you know, it's, um, my acting is, is, is doing fantastic at the minute. There's a lot of opportunities and a lot of projects I've got this year. And it's just finding that that balance really throughout. You know, my two biggest passions in life is is motor racing and, and acting, and uh, and I'm able and lucky enough at the minute to mm. to kind of manage to juggle them both. Now, um, it, it, sorry, Harry, I'm just going to say, I'm just going to flip across to Mo just before we come on to our, our final three, which I've gone rogue and made it a final four. Harry, you've probably noticed. Um, but but Mo, what's the the long long term plan for you? Was that when you first started out on this journey? Was it single-seaters, Formula One? Do you want to stay down the GT route long-term? I know you've got an interest in, in Le Mans. Where do you see yourself maybe in you know five or even in 10 years' time, if you can think that far ahead? The, the main goal is basically the way I put it is put a roof over my head by racing is the way I see it. You know, whether that's through the route of coaching or, you know, the ideal route is, you know, be a factory driver, you know, get paid to race, basically. You know, be in that position where teams and manufacturers want you know, me to race for them is, you know, that's the kind of, that's the ambition, that's the goal. I think single seaters was never really a kind of a big route for me personally, um, just with the kind of on the financial side of it, we, we could see more value to the first sponsors we talked to down the GT route. You know, when we were talking to them about the future, we were like, you know, there is this route down single seaters. It's a very, you know, it's hard to get to the likes of Formula One, you know, by taking that route and, you know, and that kind of, that path and it does cost a lot but we saw a more you know affordable way to get into racing through the gt route um and i just think that association of brands you know being able to say look we're driving a mclaren it you know it, you can see that it's a mclaren you can see that you know you put it next to one of the ones you see on the road people can relate to it you know people can have a kind of sense that they understand what you're doing and i think that was important for us you know with having to you know bring the money in through sponsors and everything that that was a big driver for you know for, for why we've gone down the GT route. Um, but I think you know Le Mans and Daytona Twenty Four. They're the two races that I you know I would like to think within five ten years I'll be racing at. And you know the dream Spa Twenty Four as well. You know it's I, I, sh I know I share that dream with with Kelvin and Plowy as well. It's like we've all got you know mutual ambitions and mutual goals to you know to race at the same races and you know win the same races. Um, so it's, you know, yeah, definitely, you know, definitely the GT route. It just, it, it seems, it feels like it works for us. Um, it, it, we feel comfortable. It's exciting, isn't it? Because you think you as a young driver, you know, you've got the whole of your career ahead of you. God knows where it's going to take you. Kelvin with the team, God knows where it's going to take you. You know, I'm excited. You, I don't know about them, but I'm excited for you, them. You could end up, you know, we, in 10 years' time, it could be that we're seeing Paddock Motorsport sitting there on the grid at the Le Mans 24 in an LMP1 car. I mean, who knows? It, it literally, <laughs> it, you, you just don't know, do you? You don't know what's going to happen. It's so exciting. Stranger, stranger things have happened. You know, yes. a replacement has got called up to uh, to do Strictly and say you've got one hour to decide, yeah. and then you've ended up lifting the glitter ball. So I'm a big believer in, you know, if you apply yeah. yourself... And other people can think you're being a bit silly. 
uh, a bit naive, a bit foolish. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm extremely committed of anything I do. And I know that I see that in Mo as well. You know, he's got an amazing um, ability um, to just put you at ease. Whenever you're in his company, there's, there's, there's no ego. There's just an endearing quality of somebody who's hugely mature for his age, uh, he's got a loving family around him and, and he's just somebody you want to spend time with. And, you know, and, and you, you, you couple that with what he was doing in the car the other day, you know, he's, uh, he's, he's kind of stresses is an experience, you know, uh, when he's going up against, you know, guys his age. He's not, like he said, you know, he's done the odd go-kart in, in, in a rental car and uh, a little bit of Ginetta and, and um, I think in, in the BMW and the Ginetta. So he's, he's, he's still relatively inexperienced, but the talent is there, you know, he's clear to see. So, there's a lot of um, lot of things to be excited about, and uh, as a team, we're just grateful to have him on board, and, and we're hoping that you know this is going to be a, a long-lasting relationship because, as we've all said before, Mo included, and, and myself and Plough, we have we have this mantra, you know, it's uh, it's not the destination, it's it's the journey that counts, and um, you know, there's no better person to say that than Plough. He's kind of been at the heights of motorsport, and he still continues to say. I remember him saying, "We made a little speech the night before our last round at British GT." going for the championship in 2019. And um, we had a little get-together at his house and he made a little speech. And um, I mean, Plowy, he suffers quite badly with with anxiety, but sometimes the way he speaks, especially to an, an open crowd, is just unbelievable. You know, he's got this real ability to, uh, you know, he kind of, you forget for a minute that he suffers with anxiety and has these panic attacks. He has these moments of absolute clarity where he's just fantastic. And he made a speech and says, you know, I can honestly say, Kelvin, of all the years, Indy 500, winning Le Mans, he says, this feels, the be- it feels seeing you develop as a driver, seeing us get our first podium, this feels the happiest it's been, you know, and, and that absolutely solidifies what we say. You know, it's it's all about the journey. It's not just about the destination. And um, you know, you've got to take each race and each opportunity that comes and and you know, hopefully we're gonna we're gonna go on a great journey with Mo. Fantastic stuff. Well, now listen, um, we have a final three guests, uh, three three guests. We have a final three questions, which we ask all of our guests. And um, Mo, I'm going to come to you first. Um, I'm going to sure. ease you into the final three um, with one of our more highbrow questions. Mo, if you could choose scales or feathers all over your body, which way would you go and why? Oh, oh that's a tough one. I think I'd go for feathers, you know. I think it's a bit more flamboyant. Oh, you know, yeah, flamboyant. You know, uh, no, that's different because usually they're like, you know, feathers, I can fly. Scales, yeah. I can swim fast potentially. You've just gone for pure peacocking. Like it? Yeah, it's like if I turn up at a racetrack covered in feathers. I think you, <laughs> yeah. you know it's a bit easier to pull off than, than scales. <laughs> a little less aerodynamic, but you know. <laughs> Kelvin, how about you? I'm sure you you, you wore a lot of uh, sequins and feathers. Did you wear any feathers when you were in Strictly? Any sort of? Uh... I, didn't, I didn't wear any feathers. I think Ulti wore a lot of feathers, and I got quite a few feathers in my mouth. When yeah. doing, pick her up, and I'm doing these twirls and whatnot. But, uh, <laughs> I think I think I must have gone for scales because, weirdly, the first thing I thought of then, it's a weird analogy anyway, but was to think of scales. And the closest thing I could think was the sequins. Yes. And I actually quite liked feeling the little sequins and the... Uh, so I guess that would feel a little bit like uh, like yeah. scales. So I'd have to go for the scales. Route, I think. See, that you're in the minority there. I would go scales, but not a lot of other people do because they <laughs> think they just want to fly with feathers. So uh, I'm glad you said that. Okay, um, coming back to you, Mo, what has got you uh, excited at the moment? At the racetrack, it's this season, definitely, working with Kelvin and Plowy. Away from the track, it's the thought of summer, really. Just, you know, nice weather, 
get you know whether it's sat in my garden or sat in a park getting outside and just sitting on the grass and surprisingly that's getting me more excited than I ever thought it would do <laughs> no, totally with you totally with you good answer uh, Kelvin I, I guess it's the uh, I mean it's pretty obvious what's got you excited at the moment I think isn't it uh, you know just I guess away from racing yeah you know hugely excited about about paddock hugely excited to work with GRM in the Bentley and uh, the British GT um, but I'm just ex- excited for the the end of these lockdowns you know and I hate bringing it up I hate mentioning the word that you know the um, COVID word because I think we're all we're all very much over it but when normality resumes um, I just can't wait for it because this is not normal you know we are not meant to not embrace and and, and not cuddle one another and meet up and, and I think that's when you know racetracks for instance we've been on test days and when I was commentating last year not seeing any spectators it just didn't feel right you know, racing's got to be immersive. It's got to be welcoming. It's got to be have that ability to where you can get up close. That's the best thing about British GT. You can go meet the drivers. You can go and have autographs signed. You can go in the garage. We've had kids sit in the car, and that is just absolutely makes our weekend. So the sooner that comes back, the better. So that's something I'm, I'm like more, you know, sitting on um, on the grass there with a beer, with friends, oh. celebrating. I just can't wait, you yeah. know. And I'm sure you guys as well, you want to do your next podcast in person. You want to embrace Absolutely. the people you're interviewing, look in the whites of their eyes. And yeah. I think that's um, <laughs> something we can all look forward We're to. Basically, we, we want to give you a cuddle. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, get, get me out of this house. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, one word answer. Mo, if, if you weren't a racing driver, what would you be? Ah, there's no plan B. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that or nothing. It's it's, it's it's not the most interesting one, but property. Go down the route, property. I know it's not no, the it most is. exciting of things, but it's it was something I was in. Or actually, no, probably photographer. Oh, okay. Because ah. when I, before I, I got into racing, it was well the bit that got me into cars was I used to get a train down to London and uh, and go around London car spotting. Okay. Well, if the racing doesn't work out, Kelvin, you've got yourself a, a good photographer for the race. Team, <laughs> yeah, so. exactly. Win-win. Yeah. <laughs> um, Kelvin, I get a difficult one for you to answer because you do so many things, but if you weren't an actor, a racing driver, a, a father, all the rest, what, what on earth would you be doing? I always used to say a mechanic. I, you know, my dad was a mechanic and I had aspirations to be a mechanic one day, a motor mechanic, but because I'm somewhat delving in cars and a race team and all that now, I'll go for something completely different. And I think lockdown has brought it upon. I've obviously got two young kids and we've all played our hand at being a teacher during this lockdown mm. period. And my admiration of teachers has just gone up. I love kids. I obviously love my own kids, but I just love their their the sense of just free, you know, the, 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 the vulnerability, the, there's no responsibility, there's no pressure on kids. They can just go out there and live. And I just love their little faces. So I think to be a primary school teacher, um, you know, it'd be tough. I've experienced a little bit of it at home on the old Zoom class, but it was something that I had great admiration for. And I've got a few friends who are school teachers. But yeah, to be a primary school teacher in another life, I think I'd really enjoy because... I guess the sense of fulfillment and um, you know joy that you get from from bringing on a young uh, you know a, a young five six seven year old or whatever and seeing them progress throughout the school years you know you're playing a pivotal figure within their life you're an extension of their parents I think that would be a great a great job to have. 
Mm. So you'd be, a, you'd be a Mr. Fletcher then, a hell of a lot more, I imagine. <laughs> <laughs> like a Mrs. Doubtfire, maybe. I, you know, yeah. I'd like to think I could have fun with the kids. Yeah. And I, I don't think I'd be too concerned with schoolwork. I'd be more about, you know, let's go and let's go and play, or let's <laughs> let's play some pranks on the on the people's next door. <laughs> oh, brilliant! Okay, well, final one for you, uh, Mo. We'll go to you first. What are you scared of? Deep end of a swimming pool. Oh, yeah. That was that was a quick answer. <laughs> I've thought about that. I can't stand it. So, does that mean that you're one of those people? Like, if you're if you're swimming in a, for example, a coral reef, and then you get to the drop off, the cliff edge of it, and then there's just an expanse of ocean, would that just send you into some sort of meltdown? It's kind of just like I, I'll just stop, and it's a few deep breaths, Sink. and then like paddle back as fast as I can. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, not for me. Not for me at all. I like it. It's a good one. Elvin, same to you. Uh, maybe a bit boring now, but um, missing an opportunity, you know, not getting the most out of an opportunity is, um, yep. is my biggest fear. Absolutely. You know, I've, I've, uh, I've, I've missed a lot of opportunities, but at the same time, I'd like to think I've made, made the most out of most opportunities I've, I've, uh, I've come my way. And that's what's enabled me to do what I'm doing, you know, in every facet of life. Um, with my family, with, with acting, with racing as, as, as a team owner, you know, when you guys reached out to do this podcast, you know, um, things like that, that it was an opportunity and um, to, to meet new people, to, um, to, to, you know, talk about what, what, what's passionate, what I find passionate. You obviously share that passion and, uh, and you look back at those opportunities and you're so glad that you did them. You know, you feel like you've maximised opportunity and, uh, and a chance. So when I say opportunity, I don't mean what can you get from that. It's almost, you know, what can you learn from it and what can mm. you give, you know, um, just before I did a, you know, a little video for a charity, and that's an opportunity. You get asked in a day with requests like that, but you can't obviously do them all. But um, those little opportunities when you can make a small difference to somebody else, you know, not necessarily that you benefit yourself, but somebody else may benefit. You know, those sort of opportunities are, are out there for everybody. And I'm, you know, I'm very aware that I get probably quite quite a few opportunities um, doing what I do, but I try to make sure that I use every single one and, and not miss any. Very good, and and yeah, the charity stuff is all, is very important. It's something close to our hearts as well, and I don't need any excuse to mention the charity that we're partnered with, the Brain Tumor Charity, who we partnered with not long ago. Um, we're helping to raise funds for them and joining them for several events this year, some karting events and various other bits and pieces, special podcasts and so on. So make sure to go and Google the Brain Tumor Charity, everybody, and donate whatever you can for an underfunded cause. Um, that brings us to the end of the show. Mo, pleasure meeting you, having you on. Um, very clear that you've got a, um, an old head on, on young shoulders and um, clearly um, going on to, to great things. Kelvin, thanks for joining us once again on the show. Best of luck with all your new ventures, especially uh, Paddock Motorsport. Um, thank you both for joining us and we'll see you in a paddock soon. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. We'll see you back for a third time. <laughs> <laughs> see you then. Before you go, one final reminder to check out our sponsor, Devante Tyres. What drives you? The pursuit of excellence never ends. Enjoy the thrill of the chase with Pro Tour Sport from Devante Tyres. Pro Tour Sport is at one with the driver. Ask your Devante dealer about Pro Tour Sport today. Discover Pro Tour Sport at devante-tyres.com slash Pro Tour Sport. Thank you so much for listening to the Motormouth podcast. Do make sure you give us a follow on our socials, Twitter at Motormouth underscore, Instagram at Motormouth underscore official, and Facebook, just search Motormouth. You can also download the Motormouth app 
app where you can get exclusive video content from MMTV, create your own social profile to interact with other fans and check up on all the latest happenings with whatever motorsport takes your fancy. We're also proud to be supporting the Brain Tumor Charity too, so make sure you check the links in the podcast description to find out how you can help cure brain tumors quicker. Don't forget to like, subscribe and review. And until next time, you've been listening to the Motormouth Podcast.